Thanks for tuning in live this morning. We had over 165 accounts watching last week. In a time of flexible and changing ministry, we are thankful for the technology that's allowing us to be together like this. Please know that your continued giving is essential to the ministry of Vertical Church. Organizations we support like First Look in Waxahachie, The Boys Ranch in Montana, and Eli and Beth Wilson at Youth with a Mission are open and are dependent upon our giving. It's so important we continue to give with a generous and obedient heart. There are three ways you can continue to give your tithes, gifts, and offerings to Vertical Church. You can mail a check to 3333 Ovilla Road. You can head over to our website under the Giving tab and give via PayPal, or you can use our text to give method. Thank you so much for your continued and faithful support. Hey everybody, we're so glad you're joining us this morning. I'm glad we can all be together in our homes, even though we are separate, we're all together at this time. Grateful for all those on Facebook and on YouTube, we're all together and that's awesome. Man, what another week it's been. And uh, boy, we all continue to learn some things. Like, uh, for example, why is it still so hard to find toilet paper everywhere? It's crazy. Shouldn't we all have enough by now? Shouldn't there be more available? And then why are we being encouraged now to go through drive-through fast food as much as we can? This is great. I mean, I kind of like it, really. I mean, I'm all for some more Raisin Canes anytime I can get it. So now we're all being encouraged to do that. And crazy thing also is, isn't this weird? The entire state of Texas and maybe across the nation are also are all homeschoolers right now. Crazy thing going on in the world today. And kids and families are finding out you can really do schoolwork in about a couple hours a day. So crazy things going on. And why this? Why is there larger crowds at Home Depot and Lowe's right now than any other time before? Interesting things going on. So one other thing I've noticed is it seems like wherever I go, there's just as much traffic as there was before, even though we're all supposed to be in some kind of shelter-in-place thing. So crazy things happening in our day-to-day, and we all continue to trust God through this time. And whenever things come along like this, they reveal that life can really quickly change in a moment, in a day. All of a sudden, the routines we once had are adjusted, and now we went from a very mobile society to one who is sheltering in our homes, We've gone from a place where we had a certain routine that we knew day in and day out, and that has all been uh, overturned for us. And people are asking questions that they haven't asked before. All of a sudden, some questions about the future, about what's most important in life, how to stay safe and secure, and even about God. Those are questions now that are on the forefront of life And it's important at a time like this when the world around us appears to be shaken, literally the world, a global shaking is happening today. It's important that we all turn to what we know is secure, that we turn to what is stable, what we do have confidence in. And so as believers, what we do is we turn to the word of God because it is our rock It is our foundation. It is unchanging. It will abide forever. So today, as you're joining in, I hope you have a Bible nearby or a Bible app. If you do, turn to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Chapter 12 is where we're going to be today as we turn to a secure foundation, as we turn to truth in the midst of difficult days. As we say here at Vertical, we are attempting to bring some vertical clarity into our horizontal chaos. Chapter 12, we're much into the book of Hebrews at that point, and the writer is writing to reassure those who have put their faith in Christ 
to stay firm in their faith in Christ, to not be shaken, to not be moved away when others pull them, when the world seems to shake and quake. Do not be pulled away from what we have been given and who we are in Jesus Christ. And he uses this this, um, idea here in this passage we're going to look at today that when the times of shaking happen, that it's important at those times to see what God is speaking. When there's a shaking, look for what God is speaking. And so we can apply that to our own lives. Anytime there is a moment that shakes us, it's at that time God is going to speak to us. And in fact, at those times, he's going to say something to us that perhaps is new, that is fresh. Another word for that might be the word revelation. He gives you a new insight. So when your situation turns to chaos, you turn to Christ for a revelation. And that's what we're going to do today. So Hebrews chapter 12, we're starting in verse 26. The writer here is referring back to a time when God had spoken in the past. We had spoken through Moses and he had caused a, a shaking in the world. He says in verse 26, at that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Verse 27, the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. In other words, when God shakes, and speaks, he does so so that it might show the things that can be shaken and reveal the things that cannot be shaken. More about that in just a moment. Verse 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably and with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Great words for us today. When there's a shaking in your situation, it's time for a new revelation. And this is the way God has always worked. It's a pattern he uses. When God brought a flood upon the earth in Noah's day, it was time for a new revelation. It was time for a new word. When Egypt was shaken by 10 plagues, when they refused to let God's people go, it was time for a new revelation. When Jonah's world was shaken and he was swallowed up by a fish, it was time for a new revelation. And when the earth was shaken because Jesus walked out of the tomb alive, it was time for a new revelation. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the book of Acts, when all the disciples were gathered together and they began to speak with new languages and new tongues, it was time for a new revelation. And so in times of unprecedented shaking, it's time for unexpected revelation. And that's what I hope we gain from our time together today and from this time that we're experiencing together in life. So today I want us to think about four reasons that God shakes our world. These are some of the questions that we all ask today is, what is going on? Why is this happening? What's going to come from this? What's going to happen after this? So today we ask those honest questions and see what God does when he shakes things up. There are four reasons we're going to see from this passage today 
that I believe there are true for us. First, shaking removes what is unstable. You know, we all build our lives around what we think will be secure, will last, will bring us peace. But we always don't do a good job of that on our own. In fact, we never do a good job of that on our own. We look to some things that we think will bring us security, some things that we think will give us peace, some things that we think will give us a future hope. And it takes a time like this, a time of shaking, where all of a sudden we get revealed in front of us the things that were not meant to be stable, the things that are actually unstable. And we don't always realize it until the shaking happens. It reminds me of a, a game that um, my sister got for me when I was a child. And I say child, I mean back in the late 60s. So I've happened to save that game all these years because it, uh, it stuck out of my memory so much. We play it some, we don't play it a lot, and you'll see why here in just a moment. The game was called Careful, and I'm going to attempt to assemble it here for you as I talk. It came out in 1967, and it was made, a game was made of this base, and then you had these other elements that you added along the way. And this reminds me, of course, of how we all build our lives. We seek to build our lives with what we think will bring us some peace. We add layer on top of layer. We think that if we could find the job that will bring us the right amount of money, if we could have just the perfect car, if we could have live in the, or live in the most idyllic neighborhood, if we could make enough money, if we could be free from all stress and anxiety, if we could build life like we wanted it to, we could have enough in our investment accounts. If we could have the right friends. If we could be in a position where we could call the shots. If we could even say to God, you know, I think I've got this. I don't really need your help. I'm just going to push you to a compartment in my life. I'm just going to leave you off to a, a segment. I need my money. I'm not going to give you my money. I've got my life. I'm not going to give you my life. I'll give you a piece of my life. I'll give you some time on a Sunday. I'll give you a few thoughts in the week. But I'll decide what I would like to do. I'll choose. I'll make my plans. I'll do what I want. The sad thing is, once we do that, you end up with something that's pretty impressive, but you end up with something that's not very stable. Now, here was the kicker to the careful game. After you built all of this, then you have this lovely piece here that you added that has a bell on top. If you listen carefully, you can hear that bell. The bell let you know that there's a problem, that there's some shaking going on. Now, that's not all there is to the game. This is where the game actually begins. You had this spinner board, and you would spin, and you had to remove the color that the dial landed on. So this is an orange. Now, I know up front which ones are the more difficult ones to remove and which ones are not because I've played it before. So I'm not going to start with an orange. I'm going to start with one of the easier ones. I'm going to start with 
one of the blue or green. And wow, this makes me nervous. Here we go. Let's see if I can get this green one out of here. If you listen, you might hear the bell ring. Ah, there we go. All right. So I got one out. Let me see if I can get another one out here. I'm going to just try, I'm going to try another green right from right down here. Ooh, you see what's happening? You see the shaking? You might hear the bell. Oh, yeah. But see, as you played and as you spun, it got more complicated because the pressure began to shift and move around here. And soon you would be forced to pull off one of the orange ones, one of the red ones. They're the more difficult ones. And soon you'd be in a position where you were trying to work your plan to move out one of these on the corner. And you can see what's starting to happen here. I'm just going to stop for just a moment. I'm just going to let that sit here because... That's how life unfolds sometimes. It starts shaking a little bit and we pull back and say, no, 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 I, I got this. I got this. I, I'm not sure I, I need any help in this deal. I got this, God. And this is what happens. God brings times of shaking in our life to help reveal what was never meant to be stable. What was never meant to be the thing that we put our hope in, our security in, our confidence in. Right now, a lot of people are asking questions about their job, their finances, their investments, their future, and things that a month ago we felt great about, now we wonder about. We're having to make some adjustments because what seems so secure is now not. So it's in times like this that God refocuses our attention puts us back into some places of where we get some real perspective and we truly put first things first. This is what God does. He brings us to times of shaking to reveal what was never meant to give us stability. But God also brings us through times like this so that he can reveal what is unchangeable. So he can truly reveal what we put our security in, what we do trust, what we do hold to. And it takes a shaking for that to happen. Back in 2011, my sister called me. It was the night of the Joplin tornado. My sister lived in Joplin and her house was in the path of the tornado. She called me later that night from another location and she said, I just want you to know we made it. We made it out but our house did not. And as I began to ask her about it and was just in shock over what they'd experienced, she described to me what their day had been like. She said, it was a beautiful day. We worked outside in the yard. It was great. I came in, she said, I cleaned up, prepared dinner, said her and her husband sat down for a meal. And as they sat down and began to eat, the sky grew dark, very dark. The rain began to pour. The, the wind began to blow. And all of a sudden, they knew, we better do something. And she said, they didn't have time to go very far, and so they just got down under their dining table. It's a solid, strong dining table. They got under it, and they hadn't been under it long when all of a sudden, the roof of their house left, and the second floor was gone, and soon rain was coming in, and debris was flying around, and what was secure 
Their table kept them secure under it. They went to their place of refuge. You don't always know those places sometimes until the storm comes. Jesus told the story about two men who built two houses. And if you had looked at the houses from the outside, you would have thought they were the same. If you'd have looked at these two men, you would have thought they were the same. But as Jesus told the story, there was something different about these two houses. And what was different, you couldn't see by what was on the outside because what was different was in the foundation. One man had built his house upon shifting, sinking sand. Another man had built his house, Jesus said, upon the rock. And what revealed the difference was when the storm came, the shaking came, and it caused what had been built by the man who did not have a strong foundation to be blown away. But the man who had built his life or his house upon a sure foundation in which Jesus said is the same as a life built upon his word, that life will stand. So back to our game of careful here. Let me see if I can get this orange piece out. You see the shaking. If your volume's up, you can hear the bell ringing. And no matter what I do, it's going to result in the crashing. So what we find is that was not stable. That was not secure. As impressive, as big, as powerful as it appeared, there was no stability there. The only thing that was stable, the only thing that survived, the only thing that didn't move throughout this whole process was the table. Even this moved. Today, this illustrates what's happening in our world. There's a shaking going on, and it's revealing a lot. It's revealing a lot about what was never meant to be secure, and it's revealing what lasts forever. And Jesus says those who see this truth in Scripture, those who look at life and are wise, they will see and they will learn. The wise will change. The wise will be transformed. The wise will seek God at this time. The wise don't run. The wise don't panic. The wise use this time to seek God more intently. The wise use this situation for a greater revelation. Because when God shakes, he is speaking. Which brings us to our third point today, and it's this. That shaking calls us to recalibrate our lives. When there's a shaking that goes on for us personally, in a family, in a nation, or even globally, you can be sure it's a call from God to change. It's a call from God to recalibrate, to make some changes in your life. And just to follow our words here, revelation calls for recalibration. That's what happens in our life. When God speaks, he intends for it to change us. He doesn't speak just to hear himself. He doesn't speak for no reason. He speaks with great purpose and he is passionate and he is relentless in his pursuit of winning our heart, of us getting to the place where we wrap our lives around him instead of putting him off in the corner. I know after we go through this time, 
with the crisis, with the virus, everything's going to be different in our world. I mean, you just think about it. You think about we get past this time, we're all going to think a whole lot more about washing our hands. We're all going to think differently about going out to eat again. We're all going to think twice about what we touch and where we go. We're all going to think differently about our home. We're all going to remember these times as special for marriages, for families, the time that a dad got to be home with his kids, the time that mom and dad spent more time together than they had before, and a time when perhaps you ask more spiritual questions than you had before. Events like this change us. They recalibrate us. They bring us to a new level of understanding about life and God. And that's what God intends. When he speaks, he speaks with purpose. When he speaks, he calls us to change. I love the fact that throughout the scripture, there are times that it says that men and women in their pursuit of God, it says that the word of the Lord came to them. The word of the Lord came to them. They were at a place in their life doing their thing, going their way. They were in need of something. They turned to God and the word of the Lord came to them. He spoke to them. And when they heard, they changed. They changed their direction. They changed the way they lived. They changed their view of God. They got new hope. They got new direction. I've been praying throughout this whole process, this crisis, for me personally, for our family, and for our church, that this time of crisis would bring to us a new sense of, then the word of the Lord came to them, and they heard him, and they changed. They were no longer like they were. They saw faith differently. They saw God's hand differently. They saw their families differently. They understood their purpose as believers differently. They no longer thought of themselves as victims going through life. By faith, they looked and said, no, we have been made victorious in life. They didn't see themselves and let panic overwhelm them. Instead, they let praise lead from them. They didn't let worry overwhelm them. Instead, they let this time develop worship from them. They didn't let this time focus on the tragedy. Instead, it led them to a place of triumph and they overcame and they found new ways and they proceeded and they walked with God. The word of the Lord came to them and they were different. How you view a time like this will determine how you walk through the rest of it. I read the story recently of a man named Viktor Frankl. He was an Austrian writer and researcher, and he was a survivor of the Holocaust. And as he wrote, he began to do research because he was curious about those who had survived the Holocaust. Why did some come out on the other side and survive it? Why did some crater in the midst of it? Why did some lose their hope and others kept the hope? What was it that made the difference? And his research concluded that it came down to how they saw their lives. They saw those who survived with a sense of purpose, with a sense of 
God being in charge of their life and there was something waiting on the other side. He came away and he wrote this statement, that he who has a why can bear up any how. In other words, when you have a reason for why you exist, then you can bear up through anything that comes against you. When you have a purpose, when you have a revelation from God, when you have a picture and a direction of what he's called you to, when you understand who you are in Jesus Christ, then you get a sense of purpose and you can walk through a storm. You can walk through a trial. You can walk through a crisis and it doesn't make you less. In fact, God uses it and does something greater through you in the process. So I'm praying that this does something to recalibrate all of us that it changes how we see, that it changes our hunger for God's word, that it changes our desire to glorify him in our lives, that it changes how we see life around us and what we've put our hope in in the past, all of a sudden we pull back from and what we see now has great stability and security in Christ, that becomes what we are fixated on, recalibrated. And this brings us to our fourth reason that I believe God shakes our world. And it's this, shaking calls for a resurgence of the church. I love how Hebrews 12, the passage we were reading ended in verse 28 and 29, it says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken in the midst of shaking, he says, let us be thankful and so worship God. Don't be taken down by what's happened. Instead, see what you've been given with an unshakable kingdom and let that cause you to worship. Let that cause you to be grateful. Let that cause you to be thankful for what God has given you. Let it increase your reverence for him. Let it increase your awe of him. This is what it should do for us as the church. He says all this because our God is a consuming fire. He is passionate, he is relentless. He is seeking to win our hearts to him and he is seeking to win the hearts of a world to him. This is what he is about. Shaking reminds us that we have been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Shaking is about reaching a people today who have been shaken. This is what we have to remember as the church. We don't exist for just ourselves. We don't exist for just our homes. We don't exist for just our personal self. We exist as the church of the living God to take the gospel to this globe. This is what we've been called for. Therefore, this is our time. Every shaking that has ever occurred has always been to rally God's people to greater faith, to push them forward to be the spokesperson for truth and hope. And so today, this is our time as a church. We have an unshakable kingdom. This is our time to speak about it. This is our time to rise up in it. This is our time to storm against the gates of hell. This is our time to go and rescue the captives that are held today by panic and fear and uncertainty and guilt and their own sin. This is our time to rise up. This is our time to find new ways to take the gospel to the world around us. This is our time to take down the strongholds that hold men and women today. This is our time to see and proclaim that there's a savior who went to the cross and bore our 
our sins. This is our time to proclaim that that same Savior took our sins, took our shame, took the punishment, and went into the grave and put those sins there. And it's our time to proclaim that there is a Savior who walked out of that grave without that sin and became victorious over sin, hell, death, and the grave. This is our time to proclaim that. This is our time to proclaim that there is hope in this world today. This is our time to be the voice of hope. Now, let me be clear about something. In this world today, in the environment of our own nation, there is a place and there is a role that we have as believers to pray for our leaders, to pray for those in authority. This is, this is wise and it is right for us. The scripture commands us to do that. Regardless of who our leaders are, we're commanded to pray for them. We're commanded to pray that there would be peace in our land. We're commanded to pray that there would be righteousness in our land. And we, as American citizens, have a right to be involved in the process of not just praying, but choosing those people as well. But I want to be very clear about who we are as the church. Though that is part of our responsibility, we have, as the church, a higher calling than just ensuring that the governmental roles and laws of this land are according to our patterns that we would prefer, or they're even according to righteousness. We have a higher calling. And let us not forget this. You and I are called to make disciples of the nations. You and I are called to share hope with our neighbors. You and I are called to lead people to pursue Christ. You and I are called to create in others an appetite to pursue God. You and I are called to teach and train others to walk in his ways in spite of what the government over us says or does. It was true for Peter in his day, Paul in his day, Jesus in his day, and it's true for us in our day. We have a calling higher than that. Let us remember what we've been called to. Let us be passionate about it. Let us be vigilant about taking the gospel, the good news, to a world today that is in desperate need of what happens next, that is in desperate need of where do I find my peace that is in desperate need of hope. This is our call. This is our time. We might be in a crisis situation, but our God has given us revelation. And in our revelation, we're gonna have a recalibration so that we can take the message of the gospel that there is salvation to the world around us. This is our day. This is our time. Would you bow your heads and pray with me today? Our Father, today, as we stand in the midst of a crisis, we know that you have not left us. In fact, you are speaking to us today. You are calling us to who you have made us to be, the light of the world, the city that is set on a hill, the salt of the earth, the ambassadors that represent you. I pray that in the midst of this crisis, we would not be moved by panic or fear or worry, but instead would be lit up with passion and drive and a force that says we must 
proclaim the gospel. We must make disciples. God, burn that deep in our hearts. Call us to action. Call us to be the voice of hope. And may that spread into our families, to our neighbors, to our communities, into our states, and beyond to the world. For this is what you have called us to. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today as part of Vertical Church. We do believe God has a purpose for us, and we are active in that process of making disciples. This crisis has not stopped us. So as you heard Jamie mention earlier, I pray you will continue to give and support the ministry of Vertical. And I pray you'll be active online in our social media and our website, keeping up with the latest updates of what is ahead for Vertical Church. Now, I'd encourage you to join us this Wednesday night at 8 p.m. live as we continue our vertical parenting course. We're seeing exciting things there as we learn how to parent in this day, in this time, according to God's ways. So blessings to you. Walk in his ways today and lift him up and live him out. Blessings to you.